Southern Baptist Church's literacy mission, right? I mean, handicapped, Joni and friends, you find an area of brokenness in the world and Christians are in the vanguard seeking to make it right. That's just what we do. That's what we do. In James chapter 1, verse 27, we read, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And then, here's the big one. Here's the big one. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells this parable. And he surprised his disciples when he said, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus is saying, I, in, I identify with those in need. And when you go and serve them, when you go do good to them, you are doing good to me. In other words, doing good is an act of worship. And this has motivated Christians for centuries to be doing good together. Now, other people do good. But I think when Christians enter our community and they just, they see how we live for something greater than ourselves and how willing we are to sacrifice to, on behalf of other people, it's noticed. See, a lot of Christians give not out of their abundance, they give out of their poverty. And they serve not just when they're bored, but they carve time out of their busy lives to serve other people. I, I see this in my sister-in-law, Joy. That is one busy, busy woman. And she muscles time out of her schedule to be doing good. It's admirable. I get paid for it. She just doesn't. Finally, a third characteristic that of the church that testifies powerfully to the gospel is this. We don't give up on people. The church does not give up on people. So the apostle Peter asked Jesus one time, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Up to seven times. Don't know the backstory. Probably another disciple was really making him mad. He's like, done this to me a few times now. I'm tired of it. And here's the question. Here's the assumption. Here's the assumption behind the question. The assumption behind the question is there's got to be a limit. Jesus, when is it okay for me to cut this person out of my life? There's got to be a limit to how long I have to deal with this irritant. I need to cut this person out. The world practices cut off, even, unfortunately, in our nuclear families now. We're getting quick cut off. 
not in the family of God. We are never authorized to cut people off. Nope. We do not give up on each other. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Here's the understanding in the church. When you name Christ, you become part of the family, and we're in it for life, and it's a journey of trying to become like Jesus. And it's a messy journey, and it's a lifelong journey. And some, sometimes we'll, we'll go a step forward and take two steps back, and you're going to fail, and I'm going to fail. And what does that mean? That means there's going to be a whole lot of need for the community to say, hey, come back to Jesus. I forgive you. Hey, you can do it again. We can do, we can do better this next time. It's a, it's a community in which we don't cut people off. We press each other, spur one another to love and to good, to good deeds. And you know what? It is the tool, that the, the primary tool God has given us to shape us into the likeness of Christ. Over time, through the messiness. It's powerful. But we don't cut people off. Even church discipline is not meant to cut people off. It's meant for restoration. Now, Jesus in uh, Matthew 18 gives us a process to take when uh, someone is caught in sin. You go to them one-on-one, so you keep it as tight as you can, right? You want to keep the, 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 the fallout as small as possible. If they won't listen to you, you then take one or two others with you. If they won't listen to the three of you or the two or three of you, then you take it to the church. If they won't listen to the church, then you exclude them from the fellowship, but that's not cut off. Its purpose is to get their attention, and as soon as they are willing to repent and begin to let the Lord be the, uh, Jesus be Lord of their life, you re-embrace them. So Pastor Phil Newton uh, tells this story. He said, uh, the elders of our church were working with a guy who was uh, addicted to pornography. So we're helping him try to break out of that. As we're working with him, we discover that his wife is withholding herself from her husband in her anger. And uh, this has been going on for a while. So we went and, as elders and confronted her and said, hey, you know, you're married and you have a responsibility to your husband and you're failing to live up to that. She became irate. How dare you challenge me? I'm not the problem. And, uh, and she would not listen to them. And it escalated. And she just left the church. They prayed for her. They reached out to her. She wanted nothing to do with the church. She ended up divorcing that husband, marrying a second time, divorcing that husband, marrying a third time, divorcing him. Nine years later, she came back to the elders. And she said, you were the only ones who loved me enough to confront me in my sin. And it's taken me this long to finally repent, but I'm repenting. And I'm coming back to the church. And so the elders took her repentance to the church. And the church did what? What could they have done? 
They could have said, are you kidding? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on you. Nine years ago, you damaged the reputation of the church. You were a, a handful. You created wreaked havoc around here. And we have to protect the church. And we can't let you back in. You are a risk. And so I'm, I'm sorry, but no. And instead, the church said what you said. They said, welcome back, sister. Let's get back to the business of following Jesus together and becoming like Jesus together. We don't give up on people. We're not authorized to give up on people. And you know what? That creates some messiness in the church. And some people come to Christ and, whoa, they're rough. (laughs) When they start the journey, they're rough. They are kind of hard to enjoy. But they're our brother in Christ. They're our sister in Christ. And we're called to love them and together march towards Jesus. And it's a powerful, shaping community. And the world sees this and it's different. And it's beautiful. And what's the, ration, what's the reason for it? It's because Jesus is Lord ruling his people. And some people will see that and acknowledge it for what it is and actually be converted as a result. I want our church to be an excellent community, a beautiful community that gives powerful evidence to the gospel. I want people to come and see and be converted and I, I'm very proud of our church. I think our church is uh, excellent and on, on a great path. Last week, for example, I had a guy come up to me last week after church. And he said, my family's moving out of Alaska, and I am, I am already grieving the loss of Clearwater Church. I love this place. This church has been so good to my family, so gracious to us. Such a, he said, I feel like this is a, like one of those New Testament churches, the way it's supposed to be. And I said, hey, thank you. I'm personally touched as a pastor. And I'm glad that our church has been such a blessing to you. But here's what I can tell you. It's not unique to Clearwater Church. Wherever you go, there will be God's people there who will love you well, do good with you, and never give up on you. It's not unique to Clearwater Church. It's unique to the church of Jesus Christ, and it's all over the world. In fact, tell me where you're going. I bet I can help you find such a community. Let's pray. Jesus, you are Lord of the church. You are building your church. The gates of hell will not prevail against your church. Spirit of the living God, we want you to to just fully transform each of us and transform us together. May we be a beautiful community a church that so reflects your grace. You who didn't wait for us to be lovely, but you left heaven and you laid your life down on our behalf. You poured out your grace upon us and you've called us to be gracious to each other. May we love each other the way you loved us and may people see that and be one, one to faith through that for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name we pray.